This is the Family Ninjas Podcast, bringing you experts that can share real-life experiences that help you strengthen your family. We are meeting with Dr. Nicole Hawkins, the Clinical Director of Center for Change today. So it's so nice for you to be with us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, so I'm a licensed psychologist. I'm a certified eating disorder specialist, and I've been here at the Center for Change for 19 years, and I specialize, I run all the body image groups. So I specialize in talking about the media, the diet industry, plastic surgery. That's kind of my passion, and it's what I speak around the country on. Oh, well, that's that's great. There's so much going on that's just relevant to everybody's lives, I think. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about dieting? I know we've talked previously about how diets can be actually detrimental to body image and maybe eventually even lead into eating disorders. So what are some things to watch out for if, if we want to go on a diet? Yeah, so, so I guess I'll start off with um, the simple fact that diets don't work. Um, diets make people gain weight. And, um, and ever since kind of the diet industry really got strong in the 1970s, we've basically seen Americans' weights go up. And so um, I actually teach my clients and my patients that if they go on a diet and they follow it, they, they will lose weight. But the research is showing us that they'll gain it all back. 95% of the people gain it all back in that first year. At five years, 98% of the people gain all the weight back. And the problem is, is they're gaining all the weight back plus more. Mm. Usually anywhere from 10% more to 40% more. So if I lost 10 pounds, I would gain back 11. But the research is saying, no, people are actually gaining back 14. So if we go on a diet year after year after year, we're slowly gaining weight. And so if we look at the research, um, back 20 years ago, the average woman was 5'4 and weighed 144 pounds. Mm-hmm. Now today, according to the CDC, the average woman is 5'3.7, so we've gotten a little bit shorter, but that same average woman now weighs 165.5 pounds. So basically in 20 years, the weight has went up over 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of times I think we want to blame it on the food, and it's got to be that we're eating all this processed food or our food's unhealthy, but I think a lot of the stuff that's going on is um, the diet industry and people going on so many diets. So we know that like 90% of all women will go on a diet in the course of a year. For, for men, it's anywhere from like, they'll say 48 to 72% of men go on a diet in, in a given year. The difference is, is women, and at least all my friends, if they go on a diet, they talk about it. They even post it on their social media. They'll post paleo for life and put a hashtag and put their dinner. So women, we talk about when we go on diets. Men typically don't. Men go on a diet. They don't verbalize it. So we got a lot of women dieting all the time. And unfortunately, now that's kind of leaking down into our kids. Our kids are dieting. Uh, The most recent research is showing that for five-year-old little girls, 34% of little girls are now going on a diet. This isn't, yeah. So sad. This isn't their parents putting them on a diet. This is them deciding Mm -hmm. that they need to lose weight. And and the studies are showing that little girls are saying they feel better about themselves if they're on a diet. 
that they feel stronger and they feel more confident if they're on a diet. And we actually know that dieting does the opposite impact. Um, dieting makes people more depressed. And, and, and again, I'll talk about some of the research with, with teenage girls. And these are what I really kind of share of why dieting doesn't work. So these, these research studies looked at um, high school girls. And this study um, was by a group of researchers, and I just say Stice and all, but Stice was the main researcher on, her, on it. And they looked at 700 girls over a four-year period. Girls that dieted in ninth grade were three times more likely to be overweight by the time they were in 12th grade. Another study looked at 15,000 teenage girls, found that girls that dieted frequently in high school were 12 times more likely to binge eat than non-dieters. So this next study that looked at um, some teenage girls, and this one's kind of fascinating to me, and it makes sense. So this was the same one by Stice and all, and they looked at 1,000 high school girls over a four-year period. They found their initial dietary restraint score, so how much they dieted, strongly predicted depression four years later. So I like to use myself as an example when, when I... Um, I started dieting, and the other thing dieting can cause is an eating disorder. For 25% of the people that start dieting, they could develop an eating disorder, and that was the case for me. I started dieting. I initially felt fabulous. I felt really good because we're setting goals and we're reaching them. But over time, you start to feel depressed, and you get more and more depressed and, and get more cranky and irritable and ornery. So we're really seeing, again, that diets aren't working, but everyone, it's, it seems like the quick fix. So people sometimes ask me, well, Nicole, you said like after five years, 98% of the people um, have gained all the weight back. How did that 2% of the people do it? How did that 2% of the people not gain the weight back? So there's actually a, a study and it has over 10,000 people, and it's done by the National Registry, and they're looking at people that have lost weight, mm -hmm. and they've kept it off. So we all want to know how this 2% of the population did it, and it's actually quite simple. What we found are the people that lost weight, they made lifestyle changes. They didn't go on a diet, but maybe they started walking every day. Maybe they stopped drinking so much soda during the day. Maybe they just made small changes that they could actually do for the rest of their life. So when I, when I tell people, when people tell me they need to lose weight, I, I want to tell them, well, think about what you can do every day for the rest of your life to help you keep that going. Mm -hmm. So you think about, I don't know um, if you heard about the New York Times study or um, survey. It was published in the New York Times, but they looked at, the con they looked at 22 contestants that went on The Biggest Loser. And so this researcher actually followed them and wanted to see long-term what happened to these people because the people on the show lost hundreds of pounds, right? Sure. And they were doing really well. So they followed them a couple years later. And what they found were the people had all gained the weight back of the 22 they looked at. The, the largest problem for these people were is their metabolism had slowed down. So that's the other problem with dieting is it slows down our metabolism. So their metabolism had slowed down. They were back to their morbid obese weight, but they were having to eat 500 to 800 less calories a day to maintain that obese weight. So if you think about it, every time you go on a diet, you slow down your metabolism. 
So then when you start eating normally, you gain weight back so much quicker. So that's again one of the other problems um, with met or with our, with dieting and what it does to our metabolism. I want to talk about one other study and then I'll be done talking about research for a minute because when I talk about this, it blows people's mind. They just don't even think it could be possible. So back in the 60s, 1960s, some researchers, some psychologists did a study um, on some college men at Vermont. And so they went and recruited all these college guys. They had to pass these physicals. And they put them in the dorms, and they required them to eat 10,000 calories a day. So we're thinking that's insane. That's what Michael Phelps does when he's training for the Olympics. But that's what they had them do. Well, these young men um, did not like it. They felt very uncomfortable, and they dropped out of the study. They just wouldn't do it. So again, this was in the 1960s, 1963, actually. And so these researchers went to the Vermont State Prison, and they recruited prisoners to have to be in the study. Well, the prisoners didn't even have a choice. They just had to be in the study. So they made these prisoners for three months eat 10,000 calories a day. The only exercise they had was the same exercise as all the other prisoners where they could walk around the yard for like one hour a day. So what do you think would happen to our weight if we ate 10,000 calories a day for three months? What would happen to our weight? I would think it would go up a you lot. Would think, you would think it would go up a lot, right? I mean, absolutely. 10,000 calories a day. If, if we're required to have 2,000 calories a day for our body to work right, 10,000 calories a day is absolutely an obsessive or excessive amount of calories. So what they found is on average, these men gained three pounds. Really? The most anyone in the study gained over three months was seven pounds. So when I explain this study to my patients, they always say, well, Nicole, then why is there a weight problem in this country? If we can eat 10,000 calories a day and not gain weight, why do people struggle with their weight? Well, the difference is, is in this study, it was completely controlled and they did the same thing every single day. They ate the same amount of calories every single day. But in real life, if we overeat one day, then we undereat the next day, or maybe we were strict. Or for me, I know if I would overeat, or back when I had my eating disorder and I would binge, then the next day I wouldn't eat. It was never consistent. So my body felt like I was on a desert island. It didn't know when I was going to be fed. So if I did eat, it would hold on to that food. Oh, that so, makes sense. And yeah. so the metabolism just the me- Yeah, the metabolism like slows down and doesn't know what to do because it doesn't trust us. But in that study, it, it kind of demonstrates that we can't eat a lot of food. It, it has to be consistent. And so I think, unfortunately, that's why diets aren't working. And the other thing is, is people, when they go on diets, they're doing such extremes, their bodies can't handle And it's not enough for their nutrition. You know, it's not enough to keep their organs working, to keep their brain functioning. Mm -hmm. And so they can't maintain it for a long time. Mm -hmm. So that's my concern with diets. And my concern with diets is, like I said, it's impacting our kids now. Um, We're seeing, you know, I have a 10-year-old son. I'm seeing his friends all diet. They don't want to eat sugar. You know, they don't. And everyone's afraid of gluten now. I mean, there's just all these trends out there and they're truly trends um, where people are you know kind of afraid of food uh, it, it another interesting kind of fact and again I know we all want to we all want to blame um, food 
And this will get us talking about the media a little bit and all of our technology. But there was a study in the 19, from the 1970s to today comparing our food and our activity level. So again, we all want to blame it on we're eating all this processed food and fast food and that's why our weights are going up. Well, this study actually found that Americans are consuming an average of 400 calories more a day than they were back in the 1970s. So we are eating more. And if you look at our portion sizes, like size, portion sizes from today to the 70s, everything's bigger. Pizza's bigger, french fries are bigger, hamburgers are bigger, everything's bigger. So we are eating about 400 calories more on average than we were in the 1970s. Then they looked at our activity level. Well, we're moving 900 calories less a day than we were back in the 1970s. So if we want to target something, we have to target our activity. And so then that gets us to all of the technology now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back when I was in college, if I was going to look at all this research and research articles, I actually had to leave my dorm room. I had to walk across campus. I actually had to walk into the library and find the book myself. Now, anything I want, I can find on my phone. I don't even have to get off, off my chair. So if you look at just as a society and with all the technology now, kind of um, what's impacting us. So that kind of got me into caring about technology. And then I started getting into social media because all my patients are on social media. So and I don't know about you, but I, you know, I have Facebook and um, my kids think Facebook's for old people. They're not on Facebook anymore. They're on Instagram and Snapchat and all those things. But I found for myself, and, and I feel like I'm pretty confident, and, and I feel pretty good about myself, I would go on social media, and after about 10 minutes, I would feel depressed. I was like, everyone else has more exciting lives than me. Everyone's kids are winning awards. Everyone's husbands are giving them flowers. I was like, I feel like bad about myself. So I thought, well, if this is happening to me, I wonder what it's doing to other women. So I started doing research on social media, and and sure enough, we're finding, and and most of the research is on Facebook, because research is always years behind what's going on in society. Right. It takes a while to get a study going. So there's barely any any research on Instagram, and I can't even find anything on Snapchat, and I finally found a research article on Tinder, but there's a ton of research on Facebook. And what they're finding is like the average college student is spending 90 minutes a day on Facebook. And the research is showing after just four minutes of being on Facebook, women are feeling worse about themselves. Because they're doing so much social comparison. Mm -hmm. And we're finding after just 20 minutes of being on Facebook, women are feeling worse about their bodies. And so they're feeling negative about their bodies, they're... They're wanting to lose weight. And this is just from being on Facebook. Right. Not even the models, just your friends. You know, yeah. someone who's prettier, skinnier. Yeah. Or yeah. And just, and again, as women, we compare. Men are a little more immune to this, but they have found, the one study I found about 
Tinder, and I've never been on Tinder. I'm happily married, but I guess you swipe left and right if you like someone and they have to swipe on you. But they're finding men that are on Tinder are starting to have significant body image problems. And they're feeling very insecure about their face and their looks because Tinder is all based on how we look. And again, and that's how so many of these sites were. I, I sometimes, not that this is a good thing, it's probably not, but I'm a little bit of a helicopter parent. So I have my daughter's Instagram. I have a 17-year-old daughter. I have her Instagram account on my cell phone. So at any time, I can just push a button and I can see what she's posting. I can see what her friends are posting. And luckily, they're not doing it that bad anymore. But there was this trend a couple years ago where all the girls were posting pictures of themselves and wanting ratings of how hot they were and how pretty they were. And, you know, for the most part, all the girls were really nice to each other. And they'd say, you're a 10 and you're beautiful and you're gorgeous. And they'd have maybe 80 comments about how pretty they were. But what happens when you get that one comment saying you're fat, you're a minus 10, which was happening. And so that's one of the biggest problems. And as parents, what, what everyone needs to be aware of is the cyberbullying that's occurring online. I've had patients that have had entire websites designed just to talk about how ugly they are. Oh, how sad. Yeah, yeah. and um, in a lot of schools, um, even my daughter's school, she goes to, to school in Draper. There's a website basically calling out the ugly girls, the girls that are not popular. It's a whole website about that. One of the oh, teachers, awesome. yeah, one of the teachers found out about it and told the, you know, they told them they better find out who made it and put it down while another one just surfaced. So the cyberbullying that's occurring is a significant problem. And the main problem with that is our kids aren't telling us if it's happening to them. Mm -hmm. They're embarrassed. They don't want to talk about it. Um, years ago, when we had Gover Governor Huntsman here, um, I was on the cyberbullying. They had a Power and You committee, and I represented eating disorders and cyberbullying. And there's an amazing task force out there. If our kids would tell us about the bullying, they can track down these sites. But they found that about only 10% of the kids will share if they're being bullied online. So what's the answer then, not only to bullying, but to all the social media negative benefits? How can we protect ourselves and our kids? Yeah, I think, again, we need, we need to be aware. We need to monitor what they're doing as, as much as we can. There's a lot of, like, filters and parent programs you can get. Um, I, I have to admit, we have an adolescent unit here. We have all the protections up on our computer. Um, they still get around the system. So I think even the best systems, it's hard. So as a parent, you need to know what they're doing. You know, you need to make sure they're using the computer in a public space in your home um, where you can kind of monitor what they're doing. And then you need to talk to them about what they're doing. I, I like to talk to my daughter about what I call her digital footprint. Um, I, let, I say anything you post, I want you to make sure you'd be comfortable with your grandparents seeing it, me seeing it, and your school principal seeing it. And if you're comfortable with all of us seeing it, then still I want you to really decide if it's okay to post. Because they're not realizing that what they're putting out there will be out there forever. Right. And as someone that hires, I hire a lot of college-age students that work for me. I Google all of them. 
I will go see what they've been posting. I will do a search on them. Lots of employers do that. Lots of colleges do that. And so really educating our kids, again, on what you're posting, it is always there. And so I think doing some of that education with them and education, educating them, too, on all the advertising that goes on mm-hmm. on social media. You know, it's so funny. My, my kids sit and watch YouTube, and there's all these advertisers. Or my daughter will say, um, Mom, I want that mascara. This YouTuber uses that mascara. I said, because she's paid to use it. And so they don't really realize that any product they're seeing, um, they're being paid. And, and now, right now, the huge trend, and if, if anyone has any advice for me on this, uh, my son's addicted to Fortnite. And I'm like putting all these things in place, trying to keep him off of it. But he watches these YouTubers that are making millions on their Fortnite videos, and now they're selling all these products. So educating our kids on kind of the business behind that and that these, these guys really don't use these products. But it's, it's hard as a parent now. Um, and I see kids wanting cell phones at younger, younger ages. And so I think, again, being aware educating them, putting time limits on things. I have like a a kitchen timer and I just set it and when it goes off, I just tell my son, you're done. He could throw a tantrum, he can yell and scream because he's in the middle of a battle or something, but I I just feel like I've had to do that because I can't trust that he'll limit himself. So I think it is, it's really hard for parents now. And it's coming at us at all at all different ways. Right, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So let's say that you do have a poor body image of yourself, or maybe your teenage daughter does, or your young son, or whatever it is, um, and you recognize that, and you're aware of some of these negative influences that are creeping in, but it's hard to stop them completely. Um, what are some things that you recommend that might just help boost that? body image a little bit in that self-esteem yeah I mean two of the two of the kind of things that I really like to teach is is kind of number one finding kind of balance in your life I used to think that I could only be happy if I looked a certain way or if my body was a certain way so I thought well if I got the body I wanted then that would equate to self-esteem so realizing that self-esteem has to come from within and self-esteem usually relates on a lot of things. And, and I look at, like, what are, our, what are our passions, our interests? Are we doing service for other people? Are we taking care of ourselves? Are we doing a lot of self-care? Because if we're dieting and, you know, and, and doing unsafe things, that's not good self-care. Mm-hmm. So, and, and do we have balance in our life? Are we having fun? And then looking at our food, too. A, a book I would highly recommend for anyone, and the brand new workbook just came out, and it's called, um, looking for it really quick, it's called The Intuitive Eating Workbook, and it's by Evelyn Triboli and Elise um, Reich. And it's an excellent book, and it really teaches kind of a non-diet approach. And intuitive eating was basically first designed for binge eaters who needed to lose weight. It was a book, you know, to help people lose weight slowly over time. But I think it has a lot of great concepts like um, trying to learn your hunger fullness and and learning portion sizes Mm -hmm. and learning that all food can be good in moderation. 
I think that's such a hard one now. We label food good and bad, and if we mm-hmm. eat something's bad, we feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. I used to be like obsessed with carrot cake, and I'd want carrot cake, but if I ate it, I felt incredibly guilty. So then I would sit and eat all these carrots, hoping that I wouldn't want carrot cake anymore. And so um, intuitive eating really teaches us that, again, all food can be good in moderation. And so eating the things we like, um, you know, and nourishing our body that way and not feeling bad. And then that goes with exercise, too. Doing exercise and movement that we like. Mm -hmm. I didn't like going to gyms. Gyms were very triggering for me. Gyms felt, made me feel insecure, but I like to go for a walk. I like to go on bike rides. So finding exercise that you enjoy that isn't just about burning calories or changing your body, but is about self-care. So we know, for example, for women, two activities that can increase their body image and make them feel better about their bodies is strength training, so lifting weights, mm. and yoga. And so those two activities make women automatically kind of feel better about their bodies, even if it doesn't change their weight or their muscle tone or anything. It's just the act of kind of caring for yourself. So, so again, and if you're caught up in the negative body image, I, I would just say be careful of what you look at. You know, if, if you're looking at all the fashion magazines, we know that just after three minutes of looking at those type of images, 70% of women feel depressed um, bad about themselves, mm-hmm. have negative body image. If you handed me a Victoria's Secret catalog right now and asked me to look through it, it would make me feel bad. So I don't get those kind of magazines. I don't look at those kind of websites. Those are things that we would say are triggering and don't make us feel better. Mm-hmm. So maybe kind of be a wise consumer of what you're looking at. Even clothing stores you go to, different things like that, and be a little protective of yourself knowing that a lot of those images out there make us feel bad right. about ourselves. Right. Well, thank you. Those, those tips are so helpful, so applicable to everyone, I think. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we haven't had the chance to yet? No, I, I don't think so. I was just going to say if, you're, if your listeners need any resources, the Center for Change website, we have lots of articles about... Um, dieting and about body image and we have lots of webinars if, if people are struggling with self-esteem trauma and it's all free so oh, so there's yeah. yeah so it's all free people and so whether you have an eating disorder or not there's there's lots of helpful information on there that people could could look at great well thank you so much yeah no thanks for having me yeah